Welcome to DMs of Vancouver. The show where we talk to our awesome friends and amazing guests about how to help you become a better GM for your tabletop games or review games that we've played recently from a GM and a player perspective. I'm Jesse Boros and my pronouns are he, him. I'm Sean Hagen and my pronouns are also he, him. We're your co-hosts for this podcast and we've got another great episode for you. This episode is recorded and produced on the unceded territory of the Coast Salish people, including the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. In recognition of that, we ask that you please support Raven, a charity that helps support Indigenous people throughout Canada. You can find them at raventrust.com. And today we're going to be talking about the fact that this is our 100th episode. A <laughs> hundred whole episodes. Holy shit. Yep. Uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. Roll for initiative. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Adventure Dice. Adventure Dice is an online dice shop based here in Vancouver, selling a variety of dice and other gaming accessories. Personally, I'm a big fan of their rolling trays and the grounded pixie dice set. Adventure Dice ships for free anywhere in Canada, and if you use the code DMV at checkout, you can get a 10% discount on your purchase. That's DMV for a nice discount on your new tabletop gear. Find the shop at adventuredice.ca and roll for adventure! So... <laughs> Right off the bat, I think I'm going to bring up the fact that I don't know what happened, but Google decided that I wasn't allowed to get answers, I guess, because uh, it didn't record any responses uh, in from the Google form. So we've, we've lost at least a couple of questions. We know that much. Yeah. Yeah. The only ones that recorded were the two tests you did and the one test I did. Which is infuriating. <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, I, I think I figured it out. Cause did you make it with the DMs of Vancouver account, right? Yeah. We both have access to that account on our phones or tied into our computers. I think that's why it came through for us because we were that's, technically already logged in. Or that's weird because I tested it in a in a incognito window. But anyways, point is we've got a we we did manage to get some questions and we'll uh, dive into those right now. I think. Um, do you want to start with the one from Roarcat Reads or from uh, Eric? Let's do Roarcat Reads first, and then we'll get into Eric's questions. Okay, sounds good. Um, so we'll go back and forth. I'll I'll start off. So Roarcat okay. Reads, uh, Roarcat Reads on Twitter. Uh, they've been on the show previously. Uh, their question is: What do you admire about each other's podcasting and DMing abilities? So, Sean, a thing I admire about you, especially in the podcasting realm, uh, is that you're very good at keeping the conversation going with guests. <laughs> like, you get excited about a thing that we talk about, and you keep kind of keep the flow going, but you don't do it too much. The the too the too much is because the by like social anxiety is like you've been talking too much you have to stop. <laughs> but like I, I admire that because I feel like myself often I am quiet in episodes for long long periods of the episode and then I kind of have to force myself to say something to kind of get into the conversation again. Um, yeah, I think for you what I admire is. Uh, your ability to network like you're able to like talk to people reach out and find folks who are interested in getting on the podcast and i like i i have a it's it, i don't know why this is but like i have i don't know three or four tabs open of like people on twitter who like it's tweets of them specifically asking like hey reach out i want to be on your podcast and i just 
I can't bring myself to respond. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I mean, admittedly, that's a thing I've been finding harder and harder to do uh, over the last year. I wonder why. <laughs> um, but like, I've just had a harder time reaching out to people lately, uh, which is partially why we've had more episodes where we're playing games and stuff like that. But uh, thank you. I do appreciate that. I Especially when we started, I was like really like on social media, <laughs> like making friends, sending stuff out. And it's just been, uh, I just haven't had the energy in the last couple of years. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, the pandemic did not make anything easier. <laughs> yeah, no, the panini is terrible and I hate it. <laughs> um, not to be a downer on the first question yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so i find the dming question a bit harder to answer because i have now been playing in a game you've run uh for a handful of sessions um i do admire that you work with your players really well if they have an unusual idea that they want to even either make their character or do as far as I've seen, you've been like very supportive of trying to help figure that out within the kind of bounds of the game without being like too, well, the game says it doesn't work that way, so you can't do it. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think that's definitely like um, from the first, my homebrew campaign in D&D that I ran, uh, where a character was like, as one of the players, as the players were like getting their character set up, I think we were, doing the session zero and they were like figuring out who they wanted to play and, and what classes and all of that stuff. And one of the characters asked if they could be, um, I think, I think it was like a, a tiefling or something. And they're like, Oh, I'm excited to play a tiefling. And I just, and I kind of word barfed about like my thoughts on what tieflings and how they worked in my setting were, uh, how they worked in my setting rather than like, okay, cool, yeah, I will figure out a may- way that, like, you playing a tiefling is a fun and enjoyable experience and not, like, oh, yeah, people are going to, like, be pointing at you everywhere you go. <laughs> so I, I, I definitely took that uh, let that lesson to heart and tried to make it so that, like, yeah, if somebody's got an idea, I will try to make it work. Yeah, it's, you know, it's an important lesson to learn, and I think um, a lot of DMs, and I know that when I started DMing, I fell into the trap of kind of being, like, well, this is how it is in like this aspect or this role or this situation or whatever. And I'm glad, I think partially through making the show and talking with you and with all of our friends and our guests, I've like pulled back real hard away from that. Yeah. I think for me, it's, it's probably partially the podcast and also partially just like seeing, like being sitting across from a player and seeing them just being like, Oh <laughs> Yeah um right so uh yeah you haven't been a dm for me so i don't have much to say there didn't i i've only yeah i've run one or two one shots for you but i think that's it right i think lasers and feelings yeah and was it just lasers and feelings (laughs) um was it or was it you that ran the Troika game that we we played? Yes, that was the other one. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think you played in the D&D one that Did you play in the D&D one I ran for uh Andrea's Adventures? I don't think so. Okay. Now that was other other cave goblins then. 
Yeah, so uh, we don't have much to say about each other's DMing abilities because we have only just recently started playing in a game together. So, uh, this is a this is an ongoing thing. I think since we started the podcast, it's like a joke between us, even off air, is that we never actually got, got to play with each other for like the first three years of this show. <laughs> yeah, um, and hopefully we'll continue to play in each other's games because uh, because I'm really curious to see what you're like as a as a gm so yeah i'll have to make that happen yeah well i'll have to do that um but hey i got i got some games i'm interested in running or playing at some point so we'll maybe we'll figure something out yeah anyway let's uh move on to the next question from eric uh at eric underscore normal on twitter uh our friend and yours from podcast versus podcast um would you rather only play a single tabletop RPG for the rest of your lives or be forced to change every single session from now on and never play the same system twice? Oof. This one is this one is tough because it's like I like playing new games to find a new system that I want to run a campaign in. Um and I definitely have a little bit of a problem of like just being like, ooh, new new system, new system, new system, and like picking up books and not actually running games. But uh, I think I'd have to fall on the only playing a single t- uh, RPG for, for the rest of my life because otherwise I wouldn't be able to run a campaign. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I'm probably in the same boat. I just honestly, the idea of learning a new system every time especially if i'm running just sounds exhausting yeah if if you if you modified the question so that it was like every campaign had to be a new oh absolutely i would system i would do that like i'd probably try to like stretch those campaigns out a little bit especially if it's a system i'm really enjoying but uh yeah i would rather have each campaign be a new system than be just one or a new one every session because like the thing that I found with, with the the games that we've played so far is that like every time after the first session and like this even happened when we, uh, our first session at every session we've had so far with Numenera at the end of it, I'm like, okay, here's some notes about how to run the game better next time. And, <laughs> and then like, you know, going through that process of like, okay, I thought about trying a, B and C, a and B worked C didn't, and so next time I'm going to try D instead. So like that, like constant like feedback loop of trying new things, new techniques, new ways of running games. Um, like for example, like Numenera is the first time that I've run primarily from a laptop. Like every other time, it's been with like sheets of paper and binders. <laughs> yeah. So, and just like honestly, the. The first sessions of most campaigns, which is what this would essentially be, unless you were somehow keeping the same campaign going from session to session with different games. <laughs> um, the first session of most campaigns is not, you know, it's a good first session, but it's not necessarily a good general session because everyone's still figuring everything out. Half of it is people looking over their sheet, trying to remember what they can do and how this works. And we need to look up this rule because we don't understand it. And if we don't know how this works, I think the full full game falls apart kind of thing. Yeah. And outside of the, like the one page RPGs where even then you're like, it feels like making up a bunch of house rules to like, see how it works next time. But, 
Yeah, I question as written, I would just go with one RPG to play for the rest of my yeah. life. The only exception I could think of that is, is if each session was like a whole eight hour session. Like if it was long, long sessions. But yeah. like even then it would not be ideal. <laughs> yeah, if you had yeah, like if you had like you time blocked your Sunday into like, okay, the first two hours is like reading and character creation, and then the next hour is like, okay, what can what are we gonna do? Like let's all build a one shot together and then yeah the only thing though is that like this the the problem with playing a new session or a new a new system every single session is that it means that there are some systems that you cannot play yeah (laughs) because there are some systems where reading the rules and understanding them well enough to even just create a character um, or the character creation system is so complicated that just creating like this was my experience with eclipse phase like I love the system. Character creation took an entire like four hour session. <laughs> so like, unless you've got like free RPG resources of like pre-generated characters. Yeah. I'd have to stick with just one, one system for the rest of my life instead of. <laughs> Which system would you choose? Oof. Um, right now, I think it's a tie up between Numenera and eclipse phase mm. um simply because like eclipse phase once you get past character creation and like i still need to see how character creation how well it works in the second edition and i have the book i just haven't sat down and tried it um but once you get past character creation the system is pretty streamlined um especially if there's bits and pieces of it you don't need because you're not playing a game where you're dealing with mega corporations all the time. So you don't need to worry so much about reputation and all that kind of stuff. Um, and Numenera, like, and, and the reason that it's a tie between both of those systems, and I would have to, I would probably choose Numenera just because character creation is easier, um, is that the system so far from what I've seen, um, there are some like limits I'd have to put in place on like, hey, don't use a level six uh, NPC as a bad guy for the very first combat of a campaign because it turns out that the level six bad guy is real hard to beat. Um, and uh, <laughs> we're not speaking like, from experience at all. Not not at all. Um, this is not something that I'm hoping to resolve really quickly at the start of our next session on <laughs> tomorrow. Um, but uh, Numenera and like. It's kind of like there's a, a group of systems where like the system, like once you're in a session, it seems like it tries to get out of your way so you can just focus on playing. Like because uh, like Eclipse Phase, uh, Star Wars Edge of the Empire and Numenera, the quality that they all have in common that I absolutely love is that if players walk into a bar slash cantina slash outer space whatever and decide to get in a fight i don't have to pause the game to stat up a creature like it's like one decision uh, or like i just you know pick a number or a couple of numbers and i've got a bad guy that you can fight whereas in D &D, it's like okay let me look up like is this a bandit is this a bandit leader like i've got to find the right stats and like maybe make some quick modifications like i wasn't expecting this so this is going to take a little while give me 10 minutes (laughs) 
Yeah, um, I could definitely see that. The, the, the one thing I'll say with Numenera is there's a loophole. Because you could say the cipher system. This is true, yeah. And then you can use it for various different genres, even. Because one of the next games I want to play is, I think it's called Godfall. It's the the cipher system for like pure fantasy games. Ooh, that's fancy. I'd love I'd love to try that out sometime. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah. What? Well, what about you? Um, what w- would you choose a new? Uh, it sounds like you, you wouldn't choose a new system every session. Yeah. Well, I, I answered. I said the same thing, right? I would right, rather. Yeah. I w- it would be one system. It would also. It would be D anD D. Not because it's my favorite, but because the buy-in is really low for new players, and because there's so many people making like hacks of it, where it's like, this is D anD D, but superheroes. This is D anD D, but anime. This is D anD D, but sci-fi. Like it's, it's a low barrier of entry for players. Lots of people who already play it, um, and like, because like. Some of my players, you know, they, they, they don't have the time to learn an entire new system. Or they or at least they don't think they have the time to learn an entire new system, which I get because I often feel the same way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's a good reason is like being able to engage new people as part of your your gaming group without having to like give them a primer on, okay, here's the system that we use and here's how it's different than D D. Yeah, and like it's a lot of the problems with D&D can also be its strength as far as if you're running it for a long time because there are not a lot of rules around like social abilities. You can make your own pretty easily um, yeah. and you can adjust it. Um, again, it's it's not a perfect system. It's not even really my favorite system, I don't think. So I'd be hard pressed to tell you exactly what my favorite system is because I feel like I am so often kind of pigeonholed into playing D D these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am really enjoying playing Numenera. But um anyway, that's <laughs> that question. Yeah. So the next one from Eric is how would you approach running a game where all of the characters, not necessarily players, are remote from each other? Which is such a fascinating concept for a game where like it feels like Depending on the system, or I guess not so much the system, but more the um, the genre, there are some things that you would have to come up with, I think, to make this work. Because part of what makes tabletop role-playing fun is having two or more people sit down and create a story together. But if you've got all of these characters who never interact then that storytelling becomes a lot harder so i mean i i think i'm interpreting the question slightly different from you is that it's not that they never interact it's that they're never together they're remote from each other yeah which uh, i think like i was gonna get into like you know if you're playing D, everybody needs like stones of far speech or something if you're playing a science fiction game everybody is they've got you know, phones or whatever. They can talk to each other. Yeah. My answer is I would cheat this rule, by the way. Because if you're playing a game where everybody is playing uh, an MMO, they are technically remote from each other. (laughs) Which I think goes against the spirit of the question, but I'm answering it, so I'm going to answer it that way. (laughs) Um, I would... uh, I would 
seek out a system that uh, takes the concept and runs with it. Um, there's uh, there's a game I'm blanking on. Uh, there's dang, I can't remember the name of it, but it's a game where um, you play entirely over text message. Um, and uh, someone is missing. It's like Jane is missing or something. Uh, trying to remember. Uh, Alice is missing. That's it. Yeah, Alice is missing. By Renegade, Renegade Game Studios. Yeah. Um, and so, like the 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 concept behind this, Alice is missing, is that it's a game that you play entirely through text messaging. Uh, it's a silent role playing game about the disappearance of a high school junior in a small town. Um, it's played live without verbal communication. Uh, it's a 90 minute play session. And all you do is text back and forth uh, with the other characters in a group chat. So something like this, um, I feel like, or I, I've never done a, a play by post Mm. But it feels like you know, like Alice is missing, or a play-by-post, or something where you're not like either a system that you're live and together, but you're using technology in a way that like reinforces that like I am separate from the other characters, but still communicating with them, or uh, yeah, playing something um, playing by post where you know it's easier to have all the characters be remote and like, you know, they're reporting back in or something. Um, yeah. I think I would, I would try to, I, yeah. It's tricky. Cause like I would, my first instinct is like, well, if I'm going to be playing a game, I'm going to be playing a game. Like if I'm playing with a, a crutch like this, a, a handicap, I'd want to play in a system that I know well, but like Numenera Eclipse Fate, well, Clips phase kind of Numenera, you could probably make it work, but like in systems where you have like combat, like if you're playing D and D and all the characters are remote and using stones of far speech, like how does like what do you do for combat? <laughs> like when you have just a single player in combat with one or more NPCs, <laughs> how do you how like yeah how do you run that? I'd, yeah. prob- I'd probably come up with like a really like a hack of just like combat is just a single dice roll, like an opposed dice roll with modifiers or something. And it's a much more narrative style of play. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a tough like I think it's one of those things where unless you play if you unless you've played, at least for me, a game that is already like this, you have very little idea with how to approach the idea. Because it's very, it's a very kind of alien concept to any RPG I've played. Yeah, it's. Um, I think my answer would be uh, play Alice is Missing, <laughs> or find a game like it. Um, and right. b- bonus is that a game like Alice is Missing also works when you're uh, the players are remote as well because. Yeah, it's the nature of the game. Yeah. Um, alrighty. Uh, the last one from Eric is uh, an interesting one. 
What are you planning for episode 200? Uh, it's ambitious, Eric, thinking that we're yeah. going to get all the way to episode 200. <laughs> <laughs> took us four years to get this far. <laughs> yeah, four years. Man, like, so completely ignoring this question because we don't have an answer for it other than, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, shrug. One of the things I've really enjoyed about making the show uh, is not just that I've got to talk way more about D&D and tabletop games, but um, I feel like our friendship has grown a lot while we made it. Yeah. Because we were, we've been friends for years beforehand, but we really started like partially just through the nature of making the show, we would see each other more often, which would mean we'd want to make plans with each other more often. Um, we became you know, closer friends and saw each other more often. Uh, and that has made me really happy. And I'm really glad, like, if if anything else, I think out of everything, that's the thing that I'm the most happy about with making this show. Yeah, uh, same. And and it's, it's, it's interesting you say that because, like, it's one of the things that uh, I noticed because of the pandemic was, like, how hard it can be to just keep in touch with people when, like, I am used to, like using Slack or Discord or something like that to like, or even just like Facebook Messenger or Google Chat or whatever to just like reach out to somebody and be like, hey, like, are we going to do with, are we doing a thing? Are we going to hang out sometime? But like during the pandemic when it's like, we kind of can't hang out, having something that was like scheduled, like we have to record an episode. So we're going to be like, hanging out and talking for an hour and like some time before and after that uh it has been real nice to have that like a little bit of uh what's consistency yeah consider like a consistent like social encounter (laughs) yeah and like the thing that's it was really nice especially in the early pandemic while we were able to maintain it before we went on that kind of six six month long hiatus yeah um yeah, it has been nice, uh, and I, I'm really glad that we've uh, started playing a game in person now. Yeah, uh, playing a game in person kind of highlighted just how much the last two years have sucked. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, um, yeah. So I don't think we've gotten any additional questions due to Google Sheets. It's all <laughs> Google's fault. Yeah, is definitely Google's- not ours. I, I, there was absolutely nothing that I did in the settings that might have made it so that people were not able to fill out the form. (laughs) Uh, Yes, it is entirely on Google. (laughs) So I, I have a question. Okay. If you were playing in your own setting as a player character, what would you want to play? Are we talking Numenera or are we talking my previous homebrew? Or uh, either or both? Either or both. Uh, we'll go with both, I think. Um, if I was playing in my the homebrew fantasy setting that I put together for my D&D campaign, um, I think a druid. Um, just because so far in the few times that I have been able to play D&D as a player... Um, clerics and druids seem to be the classes I enjoy playing the most. Um, and I think it's because I enjoy the, the mix of abilities, um, without having to 
pick a specific subclass or something like that. Because, like, you know, rogues have the arcane trickster, fighters have the is it arcane knight or eldritch knight? Eldritch knight, yeah, yeah. Um, but like druids and clerics feel like it just it depends on how you build your character if you want to be more combat like melee focused or spellcaster focused or even like ranged um so yeah i would play i'd play a druid because i think i played a cleric a couple of times now i haven't had many chances to play clerics um and there was a cleric that i like i can't remember when i think it was because like there was a a one shot that jason and ray were putting together and i had a bunch of ideas so i statted all these characters up and one of them that i didn't get to play was a uh a cleric of um the circle of this i think the swamp but the idea was that like this was a uh or no it was a is a druid who was who had grown up in the city and hated nature <laughs> right um and so like they were really at home and like back alleys and like the downtrodden parts of big cities but uh you know things start getting too polished or too wild and they get really uncomfortable <laughs> um yeah so it, that that's what i would do in that setting for for numenera um i think i'd play a glaive i i have no idea what focus or descriptor i would use just because there's i haven't gotten to play yet so i don't like my experience has been behind the screen so i don't know how it feels to like have selected some options and then be like okay this is how i'm going to move forward with this character like i've got more experience with the mechanics of DD as a player yeah it's Numenera, easier to come up with a character yeah numenera yeah i don't i don't have an answer for numenera what about a more general broad character archetype not not like talking glaive but like you know medic caster like magic focused or someone who does repairs you know all that those kind of things what what kind of archetype like that interests you within the world of numenera within the world of numenera i think i think it would be a leader character um there's a one of the character types from the destiny book uh is the arcus like the person who's good at being a leader and it's a it's an archetype that i've never played before and i've never like outside of somebody kind of becoming the like party leader i've never really experienced somebody who's like specifically set out to be the leader um via their character choices like and I think Numenera, it's a game it would work better because uh, yeah. I don't have to like spend a bunch of points or ability or you know put my stats in a specific way so that I'm still useful in combat. <laughs> Numenera, it's a little bit easier to like hang back with a ranged weapon because you don't really have the same mechanics that have to be dealt with. Yeah, and then like Numenera, I feel like you could play a character that never has to do any actual attacking and still be useful in combat, whether yeah. it's through illusions or support or whatever. But like, uh, and that can kind of be true in D anD D, but it's not really what it's built for. It's not as enjoyable a character to play in D anD D as it could be in other systems, like 
Numenera. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's I think that's that's what I would do. I would play a, a leader character. Um, I think what would be interesting is like a leader character who is specifically not the leader of the party. Yes. Because um, then you get all that juicy conflict with whoever is the leader of the party. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that kind of conflict is something that I'd be well enough equipped to handle because of my experience as a DM. Like I'd, I'd be able to be like the leader and have a character who is maybe kind of annoying to be around because they're always assuming they're the leader, but as a player still be a fun person to play with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Um, what about you? Um, do you remember what I told you about kind of some of the background of my campaign that is not, I'm not saying publicly in case my players listen. We'll go with yes. <laughs> okay. Um, I would play a member of the Sleet Strix family, who is the family that's kind of like the like family that like is criminal family that's kind of running everything and has control over the water supply. Right. Okay. Um, and I would play one of them who's kind of like turning on their family because they have discovered a secret. Um, and, you know, go from there, basically. Yeah, the black sheep from a family of bad guys. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I would play in the current setting. Uh partially cuz none of my players are playing a character like that. So, yeah. And that there's a lot of fun opportunities there because especially if you if you're playing with the right DM, like it's a, it's one of those opportunities where like because it feels like a lot of characters that people play um and this is also like a, a DM thing is that like, you know, somebody could say that, you know, oh, I want to play a character who's an outcast from the bad guys that, uh, you know, a gang or a noble family, like, like part of the bad guys of whatever campaign you're in. Uh, I want to play an outcast from that group. A lot of DMs, I feel, uh, would be wary of that concept because it's like, oh, well, like you're going to need to know things that might make, you know, puzzles too easy to solve or to figure out uh like who might have been you know the murderer because you know who your family's hitman is kind of stuff but i feel like either one of us could run a campaign where somebody has like the ability to say like i should know this or be able to suggest things and like there's there's some other dms like people we've had on the show who would be able to run a campaign that has that kind of character who where the player has a little bit more I don't want to say control input into the state of the world in the lore. Yeah. I, I'm going to be honest. I would play uh, a character who is like a complete himbo and com- came upon this knowledge by accident <laughs> and has like no idea how anything works other than like, uh, I think this person is in charge of that, I guess. <laughs> it's like the, um, the episode of Brooklyn nine, nine with the, uh, the guy who's uh, been kicked out of the mob, family because he kept messing up yes exactly okay yeah so i wouldn't have been kicked out i would have left because i discovered the horrible secret right yeah i could yeah i could see that being a good way to play it because then you don't have to like tell the dm like i should know things that you're not ready to reveal yet but yeah yeah that would be that would be pretty fun i think to both to play and to just be in a campaign with 
right? Because it's so many opportunities for like for you as for a player to like throw a wrench into combat, being like, "Oh, hey, Jim, how's it going? <laughs> Haven't Girl, seen you in a while. How are you? How's the fa- How's how's the wife and kids? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think for you, my question is uh, like, just wondering: like, is there is there a big system like something that the rule book is like somewhere in between the D player's handbook in size and the numenera discovery book like somewhere in that range like not a small game are there any bigger games like that that uh are on your list that you would really like to get to play someday play or run or play, actually both yes uh, I would love to try playing in Vampire the Masquerade. Um, I would not like to run it for the same reason I wouldn't like to run Curse of Strahd, whereas like gothic fantasy and horror and stuff like that is not my... I'm not knowledgeable enough about the genre to like be comfortable running a setting that's like that. Right. Um, but I would love to play in it. Um, I don't know, a, a bigger system... Like there are some generic systems that I know of huge books that I would be interested in. Cy- like honestly, the cipher system being one of them. Now that I've played it more, uh, yeah, Pathfinder Two E I think is fun. Though I hear that it gets very samey after a while, but that's a, a criticism I tend to be dismissive of because <laughs> people say the same thing about the fourth edition D anD D, and that's not how I felt about it at all. Right. Um. But yeah, I, I mean, like, what are the other big systems? There's Vampire there's pathfinder uh, there's uh, there's other ones i'm just they're not coming to mind immediately uh there's, there's like gurps i guess <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i gurps is one of the systems where like i've heard bits and pieces and like everything that i've heard is that it is the game where you need spreadsheets around to be able to like run it yeah um, uh what's Another one, Savage Worlds. I think I've I've heard some good things about. Yeah, um, um, I, there's lots of them, but like the problem is, uh, as far as answering that the specific question, is that I tend to be more interested in smaller ones. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a game that a system that I've been curious about for a while, and it uses the same or a very similar point uh system to the like vampire the masquerade and all of those or at least the old the world of darkness vampire the masquerade and like the original versions of all those games um because apparently there's a whole new version of all those games because i think they tried to make them a little bit lighter in tone (laughs) um is is but I'm trying to remember, like, I think it's it's White Wolf, and I feel like they did... I, I, it, Do you know what the general concept is? Because I might already know what it is. Yeah, it's a game where you're playing as, uh, like, in this world where, um, like, there were gods or beings of great power. Scion. No, not, not Scion. Um, that uh, a bunch of them have died, and there's, like, a Jade Queen, and, like, there's... Like one of the concepts is like 
these old gods or beings of great power have like died and are corrupting the rest of reality. And um, your it starts with an E, and I'm just I'm so frustrated that I can't remember it because it's been at the like top of my list to try and figure out for a while now. Um, but uh, I am exalted. That's it. Oh, exalted. I that, have actually played Exalted. That took way too long. But yes, Exalted. Um what well I'm curious then. What are your what are your feelings on or actually is it Exalted? Oh, dang it. Hey, well, tell me what you feel about Exalted and uh... Exalted sounds cool. Um I didn't get to make the character I played. It was a one shot and the character was provided for me. And I didn't really feel any connection with the character, so I have kind of neutral neutral things to say about it, where it's like it seems like it's a system that functions. <laughs> um, but like, I, I have some friends at Izzy Bromberger actually has, I can't remember if they ran it or just played in it, but they like exalted a lot. Um, and, you know, other friends in that kind of portion of my friend group have played like a lot, I think a long running exalted game together. And it sounds like a lot of fun. Um, yeah, that, I would definitely, I would definitely play Exalted if uh, I could actually get somebody to walk me through character creation for it. Yeah, and actually, reading a little bit more, it is Exalted that I was, I was thinking of because it's you know the Solar Exalted and all of that stuff. But yeah, it's it uses the the same system from what I understand that is used for it's the storytelling system from White Wolf. It, it was yeah originally used for Vampire the Masquerade and then used for a bunch of other stuff. Um, and because I have the Vampire the Masquerade rulebook, um, the newest was, one or an old one? The the old one, the the like Vampire World of Darkness, uh, Vampire the Masquerade. Okay. Um, and like way back when, I was thinking about running a campaign, but this was like a decade before I even ran my first D and D campaign. So this was a while ago. Yeah. But uh, I remember looking at the system and thinking that it was an interesting system with the the way that you're you've got like pools and you can spend points and all of that stuff. Um, and it, the, the setting of exalted just seems really cool to me. Yeah. So is that, I guess that would be your answer for the same question you asked me. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. Um, by the way, I have a, a media recommendation for you. If you're interested, ever interested in watching a, a vampire kind of, like short four or five episode uh, actual play. Okay. Uh, it's called uh, Not a Drop to Drink. It's part of uh, Dice Friends, which is like the D&D, or not D&D, the tabletop RPG show that Loading Ready Run makes. Ah, okay. And it's it was run by Jacob Burgess, who is a voice actor and has written a lot for the World of Darkness in like the recent years. Uh, I think it's amazing that the... Uh it's not a like the the video that i found for for the session zero not a drop to drink vancouver island by night (laughs) yes so uh basically a lot of the vampire like the active world of darkness stuff um that has a show it tends to be whatever city it's set in by night so there's a vancouver by night actually they sent me a dm earlier today (laughs) um because but yeah there's vancouver by night there's Los Angeles by night, I think is the big one, but there's San Francisco by night. There's a bunch of different cities by night for whatever the kind of location of a kind of bigger vampire game is. 
Yeah. And that's, it's funny because that's one of the things that I found kind of interesting about games that are set in, you know, our world, but, you know, with the rules of this tabletop game, like, you know, there's vampires or it's 50 years in the future and we're playing in Shadowrun and there's cyberpunk and magic or whatever the, or like Monster Hunter and all these kind of things where it's, it's on the one hand, like it seems like, oh, I don't have to worry about, you know, like so much of the world creation is taken care of for me because I just need to find a good map of the area that I'm in and cool, I've got this the setting ready to go. But my experience trying to run some sessions in the end of the world system, which has the like aliens, robots, gods, and zombies. Uh, there's four different books, but it's all like, hey, it's the end of the world and here's the scenario and you're playing as yourself. Um, but like games where the setting is the town or the place that you live really quickly highlights how little you know about where you live. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. The thing about at least Vampire is that it's a very lore-heavy game. My understanding is that the lore is very good and very interesting to read and stuff like that. Like, it's engaging. But they're like there's very specific lore about a bunch of different cities. Okay. This person who runs this family lives here. This is what they do. These are the people that work for them. Here's the war that happened 30 years ago and why this is like this now. This is the person that went missing who used to be really important. And this is the, you know, on and on and on and on. And it's it's amazing when you see, um, like to me, I find it more impressive than when I run into people who are like really familiar with Forgotten Realms lore because a lot of that is heroic deeds where a lot of vampire is feels like it's politics right so when people are who are familiar with the lore are able to like rattle off all of the stuff and the implications and all of the stuff because it's so much of it is built around the different vampire clans or types yeah and how they interact with each other yeah i guess it's just when it comes to like like that is really a good point like how games that like have all of that lore ready to go are really great i'm just Thinking about the time that I ran a, uh, I think it was the zombie version of End of the World with some folks that I worked with at the time. And uh, it's a little bit harder to say, like, to try and interrupt players when you need to tell them, like, no, you don't get to go from Vancouver all the way out to Maple Ridge on Highway 1 because there's going to be some encounters, so you're not already in Maple Ridge. You know, because people know, like, if you're playing with people who know the area, they want to, like, they know, like, oh, I know this shortcut that we can take. And then you have to spend, like, a couple minutes on Google Maps trying to figure out, like, okay, how does the shortcut work? And, like, how do I, like, throw an encounter at them in here? Like, it's just, I guess it's just my experience. The few times that I have played where the setting was the town that we all live in. Uh, it highlighted the need for like, okay, we can play in Vancouver, but we need, you know, a different Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's what Xanthia ultimately found with everyone is Jonas. Yeah. It's like eventually it was easier and didn't interrupt the flow of the game so much. If the setting was a bit more limited in scope, limited and also, different from the vancouver that we can go and drive through right now if we really felt like it because you know there's 
places that exist in the Vancouver that Xanthia created that don't exist in the real world, which makes it a lot easier to say like, yeah, you don't know how to sneak in here because you've never seen this building in real life. Yeah. Also, man, I haven't thought about any, any everyone as Jonas in a little while. What a good setting. What a fun game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, really hoping that uh, Xanthia has the spoons to to start that up again sometime. But even even if she doesn't, it was it was really fun to be on and uh, really fun to watch. It was really fun to like yell at you all for like an entire <laughs> hour that one time. Yeah. Um, alrighty, uh, we're kind of getting to the end of when we usually start to tie up recordings. Um, now is probably a good time to talk about uh, our plans and what comes next for DMV. Yeah, I'll. Uh, I guess the quick way to say it is we're going on hiatus for a little while. Yeah, um, yeah. There's just some things that we need to rethink and about just the campaign or the campaign, <laughs> the, <laughs> the the show and and how we run it and maybe not have so much of a focus on guests or find ways that we can record in person. Um, just some things that we need to, to sort out and talk to each other about because uh, we are running out of steam a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, as I was mentioning earlier, I'm finding it harder to reach out to guests. Um, and I'm also finding uh, I'm less motivated uh, to make this show when we're recording it remotely. Um, uh, especially now that we are essentially in each other's bubble anyway. Uh, I we need to. Th- I think we sh- we're going to try and hopefully try and figure out a way to record some stuff in person. It might it will likely be different than the format of the show so far. Yeah, um, it's also just a time thing, right? Like, I think more so for you, Sean, because you actually edit these. But like, you know, you got to plan the stuff, schedule it, record it, edit it, social media for it, and on and on and on. Yeah, there's. There's quite a bit of bunch of work that both of us put in, and uh, I don't know about you, but I like, I I enjoy doing the show. Like, we're not saying that we've come to to hate doing all of this, but it's oh, just no, that not at all. It's just that there are, well, I have too many things that I want to do, and so trying to figure out ways that we can make this not a lesser product for you all to listen to, but. Uh, something that takes maybe a little bit less of our time to create. Yeah. Or alternatively something that gets us a bit more engaged by doing it. Um, yeah. Like it's, it is, you know, these, the, the recording the show is always great while we're doing it for me. Yeah. But like the leading up and the planning and all of that, I find uh, ultimately kind of exhausting and it's not <laughs> it's not always super easy for me to be reaching out to people. Uh, I think I've gotten more anxious in the last couple of years. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and and I think the the biggest thing is figuring out how to start recording in person again and doing that more regularly because I think my experience, at least, with starting to play in person with the Numenera campaign uh, has really highlighted. Uh, how much more I enjoy conversations in person uh, than even with video conversations are just somehow less engaging when you're not sitting across from a person. 
Yeah, it's, you know, body language doesn't always translate. It's harder to, like, make big motions. It's also, like, it's it's funny because it's not really harder to pause a recording or a conversation, but it feels more like it because we've got, like, uh, for me at least because I've got a visible time going by and, like, all of these elements that, like, oh, yes, this is a thing we're doing and then we got to go do our own things. When we have a, a bit of the, like, wibbly or wibbly, the wiggle room when we're doing something in person, it like feels a lot easier to go. Oh, hey, I'm gonna quickly. Can we stop? I'm gonna quickly run to the bathroom. I'm gonna. I need some water. You know, X, Y, or Z. Or oh, this thing happened that I really need to look into. There's an emergency. But I yeah. Don't know. Also, I just I prefer meeting people in person when I yeah. can. Yeah, and it's it's a lot easier for well, it makes it easier for the guests who are local, and this might mean that maybe we don't ever get to interview some of the the guests who. Uh, aren't able to come to us, but uh, we will uh, figure that out. Yeah, I think it's a thing where if we were recording more in person and the recording remotely was more of an exception, I think that would be fine. Yeah. But it's, yeah. Also, like, I miss having a studio to go to. Yeah. Gonna have to figure out how we do all of that. But long story short, <laughs> we are going on hiatus for a while. We're going to change up some things about the show um and uh yeah that's kind of all there is to say about that i mean we welcome feedback but uh doesn't mean we'll necessarily include it in how we move forward but uh yeah we will read the feedback and we will listen to it and we will ingest it and if we find it worthwhile and useful we will apply it but you know <laughs> only only then basically yeah. right um alrighty. Uh I think that is everything we wanted to cover. Yeah, I think so. Okay, cool. Uh outro time. Thanks again for listening to our show. We are proud members of the Cave Goblin Podcast Network. Find us and other shows at cavegoblins.com. You can support us and our network by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash cavegoblins or by joining our Discord. Uh, you can also support us by leaving a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to the show. You can find us on Twitter at DMs of Vancouver. You can find myself at Jesse Boros, and you can find Sean at Sean P. Hagen. Our theme music is Overworld by Kevin McLeod, and you can find more of his work at Incompetech.com. Our art is done by the wonderful, fantastical Haley Boros. See more of her work at HaleyBoros.com. That is it for this episode. Hope to see you out there at the gaming table. And Sean, I'll see you at the gaming table tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Everyone is Jonas is a live-streamed, competitive role-playing podcast hosted by me, Doug Vandalay. Me, Eric Ivanovich. And me, Talia Murdoch. On twitch.tv forward slash cavegoblins every Monday at 7.30 p.m. PST. Hey there, lovely listeners. I'm Talia Murdoch, and I'm here to tell you about my show, Everything Economics. Every week, I talk about the world around you, specific social and economic issues, and dive into how fantasy realms would work in real life. That's Everything Economics on the Cave Goblin Network. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.